0: Welcome to the Southcrest live podcast if this is your first time to listen please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information thanks for listening and enjoy today's message one of the great things about the christmas season is the music that we enjoy singing every christmas And sometimes because we only sing some of these songs once a year, it's hard for people to remember all the words, especially children. It's interesting to hear how children sometimes hear a song and they're not real sure what the words were, but they, in their own mind, have an interpretation of that. For example, a second-grade teacher in Atlanta Georgia asked her students to write out the words of their favorite Christmas songs. Here's some of the results. On the first day of Christmas, my tulip gave to me. Deck the halls with Buddy Holly. He's making a list chicken and rice, Olive, the other reindeer. Instead of with angelic host proclaim, with the jelly toast proclaim. (laughs) In the meadow we can build a snowman, then pretend he is sparse and brown. Noel, Noel, Barney's the king of Israel. (laughs) Gary Beatty told me after the 8 o'clock service today that when their son was small and they were singing, angels we have heard on high, Glor, you know what? He was singing Rio, <laughs> to the top of his lungs. Also, while shepherds watch their flocks by night, one little boy was singing, while shepherds wash their socks at night. <laughs> well, Margaret Winley, Portsmouth, Virginia, said, I did not realize how closely my 18-month-old toddler had been listening to Christmas carols until she picked the peas off of her plate, threw them on the floor, and said with an exciting smile, peas on earth. (laughs) Been a lot of wonderful songs written about this season. One of them, O Holy Night, there's a line that says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn." There's probably most of you love that song, Mary, Did You Know? It was written by Mark Lowry, who's a comedian and a singer. In 1984, he actually wrote the, wrote the words as part of a Christmas program for his home church in Nashville. And the words were read as an aeration between the songs. He said, I tried to picture Mary holding the baby Jesus on the first Christmas morning and wondered what she was thinking about that child. She knew she was special. The virgin birth was her first clue, But could she ever imagine all the things that he would do while he was here? Now, long after the musical, the power of those questions lingered with Lowry, and in 1990, he shared those lyrics with harmonica virtuoso, Buddy Green, who put them to music, and since that time, they have blessed millions of people. I want to answer some of those questions today that Mark Lowry asked Mary, but first I want to read the scripture that talks about the angel appearing to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, and following. And as with with most people who see an angel, Mary was terrified. And so you'll notice what he says first of all. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary was shocked. She was amazed to receive the news from Gabriel. And I'm sure she had a lot of questions. And I don't know that she asked all of those, or knew what she, like Mark Lowry wrote down. I don't know that she thought of all of that. But on this side, 2000 years later we there are some things we do know and I want to take some of those lyrics and the word of God and let's talk about that because maybe the next time you hear this song you'll think of some of these things. One of the questions in the song says, "Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod?" So the first thing we can say, Mary, we do know the pre-existence of Jesus. John 17, 5, Jesus prayed, And now, O Father, listen to this, glorify me together with yourself with the glory with which I had with you before the world was. In other words, each of us have a birthday to celebrate. There's a time when we were conceived by our parents, and then we were born into this world. Now, life was given to us when we were conceived from the life of the father and the mother, and we have a birthday. We came, we, came, we discovered America on a certain day. But the Bible doesn't teach that we had any prior existence to that. I know what the Mormons teach, that we were spirit beings waiting for a body. That is not true. That is not biblically accurate. You cannot justify that from God's Word. If I were to ask you what you did yesterday, you could probably tell me. But if I ask you, what did you do a thousand years ago? You didn't do anything. You weren't here. You didn't exist. But folks, I want you to understand, Jesus claimed many times that he existed long before he became flesh. You need to understand that. Jesus is not a created being like the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. Jesus existed before one with the Father, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one with the Father. In fact, listen to what Jesus said in John 8. The religious leaders were bragging about being children of Abraham, and Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. And the Jewish leaders were dumbfounded. They said, you're not even 50 years old, and yet you say that Abraham knew you? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. The preexistence of Jesus, we know that this little boy, we know that he walked where angels trod. He became flesh. Let me give you an interesting definition, and you're going to have to listen twice, so I'm going to read it slow twice. How about this definition for the incarnation of Jesus? He, Jesus, who never began to be but eternally existed and who continued to be what he eternally was, began to be what he eternally was not. Told you I was going to read it again. He who never began to be God... But eternally existed, God, and to continue to be what He eternally was, God, began to be what He eternally was not, a man. He became flesh. He came to us. Now some of the most powerful lyrics in the song ask the question, Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? And when you kissed your little baby, you kissed the face of God. God. We do know the personification or the incarnation of Jesus. Let me read you Colossians 1, 15, and 16. He, this is Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Now, to me, kissing the face of God is an amazing image. But did you know the only way that the face of God could be kissed was if he had a face. Because in the Old Testament, he is described as invisible. And you cannot look upon up him. The Bible says that God is spirit. And the Old Testament taught that God is invisible. But the New Testament in Colossians 1.15 says, he is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what my wife looks like? I can take my phone out and I can show you pictures of her. It's an image of her. Jesus came to show us what God looks like. Not necessarily the physical image of Jesus, but what he, what God is about and the love and the compassion and the mercy and the forgiveness that he had. Amen. Outside your house, somewhere on your, in your neighborhood, up on a power pole is a bucket-looking a device that has some antennas out of it. It's called a transformer. Now, that transformer is there to transform the electricity from the power company or the power station into your home. If that transformer was not there, it'd burn everything up in your house instantly. And so it transforms the electricity or, or or brings it down to a place where everything in your home, your appliances and the lights will work. Sometimes lightning strikes one of them. Sometimes something trips one of them and the power goes out in your home. And the guys go up the pole and they flip that breaker back on and and here comes the power. Well, if you think about it, Jesus is a divine transformer. Because if we could not look on the glory of God, Moses wanted to look at God. And God said, no, you can't handle it. You'll die. It would be similar. The Analogies always break down. But can you imagine staring at the sun from 10 feet away? You couldn't handle it. With the glory and the majesty of God, you and I could not stand in his presence. And that's why Jesus came in the flesh. The Old Testament taught if any person ever looked at God, they would die. So Jesus veiled himself in flesh where we could see him and we could touch him. There's a line from Hark the Herald Angels Sing that says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Incarnate means to put on flesh. Jesus was God in person in the flesh one night during a storm across the hall from the parents room a little voice came out and said daddy I'm scared dad was groggy he woke up and he said don't worry honey daddy's right across the hall there was a little pause but not too long after that said dad daddy I I'm I'm scared Daddy, thinking quickly, said, You don't need to be afraid. God is with you. God loves you. He's there. The pause was a little longer, but then the voice came and said, I don't care about God, Daddy. I need somebody with skin on. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what Jesus is He's God with skin on. God is the creator, and the song asked Mary if Jesus knew if she knew Jesus was the Lord of all creation. The Bible teaches there's only one God. We are not believing in three gods. God has expressed Himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—a triunity. You want proof? Let's go back to Genesis when God said, "Let us make man in, let us make man." In our image. That ought to be something for you right there. But even the Lord talked about being one with the Father. So Mary, we know you were kissing the face of God. Because Jesus is Lord of all creation. The song also asks, Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? The child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. We do know the provision of Jesus. It's probably difficult for Mary to believe that her baby boy would deliver her. Now, he definitely changed her life because without Jesus, I don't know that we would ever have known about Mary. She would have been just some obscure Jewish woman. But because of Jesus, we admire Mary as one who found favor with God and actually gave birth. She's a greatly esteemed above all women. She's not to be worshiped, and she was not sinless. No one was sinless except Jesus. And her baby changed her life as well as the life of millions of people. Without Jesus, Mary would be nothing. The same can be true about you and me because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It doesn't say if you're in church or in religion or in good works. There's something that's really exciting about new. Everybody wants to get something new. Marketing research will tell you that the two most powerful words in advertising are new and improved. One reason there's such anticipation for Christmas time is because people get new Things New toys, new items, new clothes, new bills. <laughs> and the same folks singing jingle bells in December are singing juggle bills in January. But a lot better than a new pair of shoes or clothes or a toy is that Jesus is the source of a new heart what's wrong with our world today it's not the economy it's not education it's this world has heart trouble and only Jesus can deliver you it's amazing though how many people try to deliver themselves a lady in her 90's true story A lady in her 90s just decided it was too difficult to Christmas shop for all her family. So she decided to write a check to all of them as a gift. She wrote out her checks. Then she put on every Christmas card, you can buy your own present, signed her name. She mailed her cards. After all the Christmas festivities were over, she found the checks in the drawer of the desk so she had sent all her family cards that said buy your own present (laughs) in case you need any ideas this christmas you'd be amazed how many people are trying to buy their own salvation They think if I'm a member of a certain church or denomination, or I I trust the church, or I give to the church, or I follow this religion, and so on and so on, you try to buy your own salvation. But you and I know that the only provision for salvation and forgiveness and mercy and salvation is Jesus. He is the provision. Your salvation was purchased through Christ, not by your works. Many of the questions in the song address the same subject. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Did you know your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak the praises of the Lamb. Yeah, Mary, we know the power of Jesus The Bible records that Jesus performed miracles, many miracles, walking on the water, healing the sick, even raising the dead. Even the enemies of Jesus admitted that he performed miracles. They just said he did it by the power of Satan. The Gospels record 37 miracles of Jesus. The first was turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana in Galilee, and then the last one was the miracle of the fish catch the miraculous catch of fish at the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection. But these are only the miracles that we can read about because John 20 verse 30 and following says, Jesus did many other miracles in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and by believing you may have life in his name. A miracle is a supernatural event that overrides the force of nature. Throughout history, there have been miracles by, quote, mythical beings that have been made up like Hercules or uh, Ulysses. Or but Jesus is the only one, the only miracle worker, who you can historically verify he existed We know that he was real. We know that he lived. And people who don't know the Lord scoff at the idea that Jesus could actually walk on water. But folks, if he's the creator as he claimed to be, then walking on water would be no big deal. (laughs) You see, you don't have to sacrifice your intellectual integrity to believe Jesus walked on water or healed the sick or raised the dead. Faith in Jesus Christ is not irrational or unreasonable, it's above that, it's supra-rational, it's supra-reasonable, it means it's above our logic. You can't go back and do a scientific experiment and prove that Jesus did a miracle, but I can tell you he's still in the miracle business. He can take a man that beats his wife and transform his heart and he can become a respectable husband and father he can take an alcoholic and turn him into a sober person he can change a drug addict with into a productive citizen irish baloo who used to be a well-known speaker years ago at one time was a prostitute in Houston and one evening somebody shared Jesus with her and she got down on her knees and asked Christ to come into her life and here's what she said, I knelt down a tramp but I stood up a lady. I'm going to tell you Jesus is in the transforming business. The power of Jesus can change a heart. Can you a picture where you would be today if Jesus wasn't in your life? It wouldn't be pretty, would it? I know it wouldn't be in my life. Another question, Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nation? Yeah, Mary, we know the prophecy of Jesus. Of all the promises Gabriel gave to Mary, one of them hadn't come true. Oh, yes, she got pregnant. She did bear a son. He was called Jesus. He was great. He was called the Son of the Most High. But there's one part of Gabriel's promise or the promise that Gabriel delivered from God that hasn't been fulfilled. She must have been surprised when Gabriel said, The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now world rulers have come and gone. Kingdoms have risen and fallen. But the Bible predicts that when the literal reign of Jesus begins, it will be a kingdom that will never end. Isaiah foretold this. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, I love the Christmas songs, but some of them are not exactly accurate. Away in a manger. I love that song. But do you really think the cattle were lowing or mooing? We don't know if there any cattle there. No crying he makes. The Lord Jesus, when he awakes, no crying, yeah, right. Are you sure he didn't ever cry? I'm just being ridiculous here, but I want you to understand that Christmas hymns that really teach good theology, some are prophetic. Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World, and he based the lyrics of that song on Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. But wait, is that happening now? Is Jesus ruling the world now? I mean, is the government... Upon his shoulders? When's the last time you saw the General Assembly of the United Nations get on their knees and say, Jesus, you're the ruler of the world. What do you want us to do today? No, you didn't see that today. Don't hold your breath. You're not even going to hear that in Washington or Austin or Lubbock County Courthouse. Incidentally, you know, they were going to try to have a live nativity in Washington, D.C., but they couldn't find three wise men. But here's a prediction that Jesus will come to the earth. And I really wish Jesus would come. And I wish he was over all of our government. But it'll be a perfect time of peace and justice. A final question. Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Yeah, Mary, we know the propitiation of Jesus The great I am. That's God's name. Moses at the burning bush said, would you identify yourself? And God said, my name is I am. Jesus used that a lot. I am the light. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus also claimed to be the Lamb of God. Each year, people would try to journey to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And there would be a day when they would select a lamb without spot or blemish, the the nearest perfection that they could find. None of them were absolutely perfect, but you weren't going to give something that was diseased or dying or, or hurt. High priest would take that lamb and he would be killed and the blood sprinkled on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies behind the curtain that was probably three feet thick. And then he would come out and he would symbolically place his hands on the head of another ram or lamb and he symbolically the sins of the people would be put on that lamb. Sometimes the word scapegoat comes from that. And then a priest would lead that out into the wilderness, symbolically stating that the sins of the people had been taken away for the past year. Jesus came into Jerusalem at the end of his earthly ministry. Guess what day he came in? On lamb selection day. John the Baptist was at the River Jordan, and Jesus approached, and John saw Jesus coming and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, the story of Christmas is the story of God coming to earth and taking on human flesh. We all like to see babies. We like to hold them. We oo and ah of them. But I want to tell you, Jesus didn't come to be a baby so that we would ooh and ah over him. He came to take on human flesh to do the one thing that God was incapable of doing. God cannot die, so he had to have a body to do it for us. He became flesh. He took our sin. He was the only perfect one. He never sinned. And when he died on the cross, the wages of sin is death. He gave his life willingly. God put on him the sin of the world. While he was on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time, sin in his life. Separated him from God. And he died. But death couldn't hold him. Conquered death. Paid the price. He rose again. And now we go on the coattails to heaven of the Lamb of God. The perfect Lamb. I guess it's correct to say that on Christmas morning, Mary had a little lamb, the Lamb of God. Mary had a little lamb. He was born on Christmas Day. She laid him in a manger bed to sleep on the hay. Angels filled the nighttime sky, and they began to sing. Shepherds heard them all proclaim the birthday of a king. Wise men saw a blazing star up in the sky that night. They followed it until they found the king of love and light. Mary had a little lamb, but he wasn't hers, you know. He was the very son of God, the one who loves us so. The father of this little lamb loved the world so much that he sent his only son to earth so that we could feel his touch. He came to give us joy and peace and take away our sin. So when he knocks on your heart's door, be sure to let him in. Why do I love this precious lamb? What can the reason be? The answer is quite plain to see. It's because he first loved me. I don't know what all Mary knew. None of us do. We know that she magnified the Lord and glorified the Lord and and was humbled by the fact that God was using her, but she probably had a lot of questions. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus can answer the big question you face in this life and the life to come, and that is what am I here for and where am I going when I die? And Jesus is the answer to both of those questions. You have a purpose. You have a reason for being here. You're not a mistake. You're not taking up space. The Lord gave you life. Yeah, I know your mom and dad, they, they both have life and they came together. and you. But God gave you life. And our sin has separated us from him. And so Jesus came to rescue us. I told you last Sunday evening after the music, you're the reason for the season. We are the reason for the season. If we had not sinned, there'd be no Christmas. We wouldn't have needed him. But the fact that he came tells us that he wants you. I want you to get in your head, God wants you you. He wants you. You don't have to get your act together. He already knows. He already knows how sinful you are. He knows everything about you. God wants you. Why he wanted me, I have no idea. The older I get, the more I'm amazed at that. But he wants you. But he can't have you until your sin's taken care of. And when you place your faith in Jesus, Romans 10, 9 says, if you, believe, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, God immerses you. He washes you in the righteousness of Jesus. And now, he's got a relationship with you. No sin. It's been taken care of. If you don't know Jesus, I don't know how to make it any simpler. Listen, it's not the church you go to that saves you. You don't confess your sins to a person, you confess them to Jesus. I can't bestow upon you last rites. I can't bestow upon you before you die. I'm, I can't guarantee you're going to go. I can only person that can guarantee you're going to go to heaven is Jesus, and there's no second chance. So, what part of this do you not understand? Why would you turn and walk out of here without committing your life to the Lord God who wants you enough? to be one of us the creator becoming one of the creation really really would you bow your heads with me thanks for listening and enjoy today's message